Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Lorelai Weissel-Lebrizzi. And I'm Chris Delano. I'm tired. That's because this is a special late night edition of the Vorthos cast. Because um, we're recording it super late because of travel. But we're recording it's not, it. We're... It's not super late. I'm at SC, SCG Con Pittsburgh and traveled out today. But, you know, we... We didn't have an episode last week, and you know we we can't skip another week, and we have to keep the schedule rolling. So, uh, yeah, we're uh, I'd say Vorthos cast after dark, but it's dark for most of the year when we record a podcast. And also, I don't know what that would mean content-wise. We could just swear on the show, <laughs> poopy. We could discuss our favorite uh salacious fanfics or something i don't i don't know this is a family-friendly show except sometimes we say bad words and i'm sorry there is a witch from mercury toxic milf fury that i still think about with uh <laughs> with prospera and Natra, and it's it's it, i think rewired part of my brain anyway um <laughs> we're here <laughs> to finish up talking about um the magic something uh lost caverns of Ixalan <laughs> story um we we have episodes uh four five and six to talk about uh by uh valerie valdez uh and um i don't think we have any news other than like the sets out yeah pre-release will have just happened by the time you listen to this um there's not really much else going on. It's the end of the year, so like holiday stuff is coming out. Um, if you're oh, interested, oh yeah, there's the the Lord of yeah. the Rings uh, had those the crap like what holiday were they scene. Called? They're like scene things or whatever. Yeah, scene like boxes. Yeah. What were they called? I don't remember. New product with some. There's a, like a few unique cards that are part of like the scene thing, and then reprints of things. I don't remember the whole deal with those they exist you know if you want to get someone a less complicated gift for the holidays uh or just for any reason or if you just wanted to uh the magic the gathering visual guide from dk uh publishing is really really good you should you should look into that maybe if enough people buy it they'll you know pay jay to do a second edition and we can add all these like new cool things into it update the whole ixalan section they added another world to Ixalan, so, you know, there's a lot to update. Yo, dog, we heard you like Ixalan, so we put an Ixalan inside your Ixalan so you could have dinosaurs with dinosaurs. I don't know. kind of what happened. That's it's an old kind of, yeah. Oh, I guess I know there's no Quintorius lines on, on Arena. Trust me, I'm aware. The script exists. Lines will get there at some point, I believe. Um, that's all I can really say about that. Stay tuned. Um, yeah, let's talk about story. Let's talk about episode four. Um, I have to get my bearings. We don't have the best notes for this episode. It's been a day, folks. So episode three ended with like all of the main camps. All right. They converge on kind of. uh, yeah, so the River Heralds kidnapped the vampires and saved the Sun Empire. Um, they're not showing any favoritism here, but they're showing a little bit of favoritism. And uh, while that happened at the end of episode three, uh, setting up for them to come together, uh, 
also Malcolm and Breaches descended deep into like the weird fungal cavern scene yeah. that they're in. Um, uh, it's apparently Cenote. Cenote. I, yeah, I, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I was not aware that English just took the more Spanish pronunciation for the word, but neat. Um, because sometimes you read words and don't say them out loud. Yeah, I had a really weird understanding of how the word epitome was pronounced for a very long time. Uh, so, anyways, <laughs> a little embarrassing. Used to pronounce it epitome. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what you gotta bonk a wizard with when they have an allergic reaction. Uh, all right, let's talk about episode four. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're picking up where everything got dropped off at the end of episode three, uh, starting out with a Quint point of view as he's experiencing the uh, Sun Empire people who he had, like, gone down with, uh, meeting up with the uh, merfolk, who the river heralds who are also meeting up with the vampires who they like saved slash kidnapped after they fell through sand traps. Uh, so this is sort of the big joining of uh, a bunch of people who have historically wanted to kill each other. Um, and now we get to see it all through the eyes of a little Loxodon boy. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> yeah, things don't go super well. Um, clearly there's this big door that the river heralds are trying to open, uh, and they're not having any success. And Watley's like, well, I can do it. And then Vito says something really stupid because he's Vito. And by the end of the story, you were just so tired of Vito. Um, but anyways, he, uh, is like, you cannot stop our holy mission. And, uh, it's just a big, like aggressive meet up but eventually uh Hotley convinces everyone to let her look at the door with quint and yeah well so yeah in the moment before this um uh, Quintari said it was a really good exchange um with uh oh god what is the merfolk's names uh shaper pashona um that continues so one of one of the conversations that um he's been having as a character has been with Weta about like, hey, who gets to tell what stories? And, and we have more of this conversation explicitly um, with this merfolk shaper about like, hey, you know, I have my own little quest to look into this coin empire, but also there's a bunch of stories here and I think these stories should be like told and shared if you would like. Um, and more of and, you know, that, that is a complicated ethical question of who gets to tell the stories and what gets shared and where it gets shared and how it gets shared. And so more of that conversation happens. And uh, I think we get more of it in the later story, too. It's good. It's a good thread. I'm really glad it's a thing that has been talked about specifically with Quintorius as an archaeologist who's not from here. Um and there's a really good line about, hey, the Sun Empire and the vampires uh, and uh, whatnot are arguing. And um, Pashana reminds them, they are all invaders here. You are from the surface. This is not your world. We don't have to like any of you, even if some of you claim to be the descendants of the people of the core. Uh, and it's a good reminder that... This is a piece of Ixalan that like nobody's seen in we don't have a time frame for it. Um 
but uh, that these are distinct cultures down here. Um, that there are a lot of animosity is not the right word. Um, there are a lot of differences and um, you know potential conflicts between all of these peoples. Um, that there isn't just a strict hard line of okay, these are the good people of Ixalan and these are the bad people of Ixalan. It's it's not this like simple dyad that there are a lot of different factions who all have their own viewpoints and everything is very messy and complicated. Um, and I like that from a world building standpoint. Yeah. I, uh, you get to see a lot of the sun empire, uh, in these stories and the ways that the sun empire, uh, is not necessarily like good, <laughs> um, a force for good as well, which I thought was very, very, very nice. Um, especially since like, if you look at the conflicts on the surface of Ixalan, it's like, yeah, clearly the, Legion of Dusk is pretty much evil colonizing uh, Spaniard conquistadors and the Sun Empire is, you know, trying to protect themselves from that. And it's like, yeah, but also like the Sun Empires had to push the Shapers out at some point. And then on top of that, like even today, the Sun Empire is a little quick to war and there's a lot of internal conflict about that amongst them. So but that's like a later story thing. We should talk about episode four. And the actions that happen, which is uh, Quintorius summoning a ghost again uh, as he summons back up Abuelo and is like, hey, we need to get through this giant door. And Abuelo is like, yeah, uh, I have a key around here somewhere um, and finds a key and gives it to them. And they open the door and they discover the weirdest thing you could ever find, which is they went underground and found another ground. They found a second like surface, but inside. Sometimes you just look through a tunnel and see people in reverse gravity looking back at you. Yeah, the gravity situation is really weird here, and mm-hmm. I I don't want to think too much about it. Um, but it well, is it just swaps. <laughs> yeah, it just swaps. But like, okay, so the question then is, what is holding the people to the ground? Gravity in the core. Okay, but then they fly. Yeah, and they fly towards. So is gravity getting less the closer you get? To uh to to Chimiel, or yeah. is it okay? It's just very, very it's just the interesting. opposite. Yeah, it's just the opposite. Okay, magic. Um, yeah, literally. But uh, yeah, they they look through the hole and they see the surface of the core, the inner uh world of Ixlon, and some people see them and they're like, "Hey, let's find our leader, leader, uh, and then we can um meet up." Uh, anyways, then we back. Uh, jump back over to Malcolm, who last we left was invited by some mushrooms to go talk uh, about things deep, deep down inside of uh, downtown, as it was called. Uh, and that's when uh, Malcolm and Breaches get to finally meet the big bad of their leg of the campaign, which is the Myco Tyrant, a giant frog looking mushroom thing that is. Uh, definitely very menacing looking and it speaks to them through the like shambling mushroom corpse of the former mayor of downtown Xavier Sal. Uh, I like, I just appreciate the line breaches grumbled bad shrooms. Yes. Like, yes, (laughs) they are bad shrooms. You are correct. Uh, breaches has some good lines. 
anyways, they uh, the micro tyrant speaks through Xavier and this like creature, which is presumably all of this fungus, uh, speaks with you know the royal we, but also a plural we, um, and uh, explains to Malcolm and Breaches. Uh, that they have something that they want. And Malcolm is like, we can give you gems. We can give you money. We can give you food. And the micro tyrant's like, no, I want everything. Which is like, okay, go off. <laughs> if you want, that's fine. Um, but also very menacing. Uh, and then we get the vampire's view on what happens when you are like delving into the core of Ixalan. Uh as Amalia is sort of experiencing this trip through into the core, uh, through the golden door that she'd been seeing visions of in previous episodes. And when they get to the core, uh, she sees floating in the center in like the middle of all of this uh, is like a sun of its own with this like trail of metal debris, um, like a faint pink dot in the middle of everything, um, which will play into the story very much later. But for right now, the vampires are dealing with the fact that they're being brought to meet uh, the, like, leader of the defense, sort of. Um, uh, Anim Pakal, who is the, like, uh, commands the Thousand Moons, who I guess are the, like, military division slash air division of the people of the Corps. Uh, they ride on bats, which is really, really cool. Um, and also interesting with the way that the vampires treat bats. Uh, and she has a bunch of questions for them and they're introducing each other and they're talking and then uh, the spirit Abuelo and Abuela are there and apparently the like Cosmium, which is this like pink glowing metal that all of mm -hmm. the uh, these people have on them like interacts with Abuelo in a weird way, uh, which is a thing to think about and we'll talk about later. Um, but anyways, they meet, they introduce themselves, they like talk about things. Uh, Quintorius mentions that he's from a different plane. Uh, it's it's all very like cool. And then at one point, Anim is like, oh, my God, I haven't been introduced to you. And like looks over at Vito and is like, who are you? Uh, which d doesn't go well. Um, Bartolome is like, ah, we are from the Queen's Bay Company. And then the Sun, Emperor, uh, Sun Empire soldier is there and just shouts, they're vampires, uh, which causes a huge ruckus because turns out vampires not popular in the core either. Uh, yeah. Isn't it, <laughs> yeah. Isn't it interesting that the people in the core know what a vampire is? It is even interesting. Isn't even though they're from Torazon? Huh. Hmm. Wonder what that's about. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Anim calls them, uh, worshipers of the great betrayer and orders them imprisoned. Uh, I think we can kind of figure out what the great betrayer might be since the vampires all worship Aklazots, who they are uh, currently trying to find. So they have them all taken off into a prison cell and we will return to them later. But we do have to sort of have this really interesting meeting between uh, the Sun Empire and specifically Weta, because uh, this is her point of view. Uh, with the leader, kind of. It's like implied leader of the people of the core. She's called a steward. Akal uh, uh, Pakal. Um, Akal Pakal, I think, is how you pronounce it. Uh, but Akal is the like steward of the people of the core, and she has this 
really wonderful discussion with all of them. And uh, Quatley and Inti get into a little bit of a um, a spat because Inti, uh, as well as uh, uh, Kaparakti, have this sort of like mission to get like aid for the emperor. And so they're kind of really focused on that. And Huatli is just like, I want to meet my ancestors. I'm really distracted because uh, I'm looking at the story and the Akopakal um, art by Ryan Pankos is here. Ryan Pankos does not miss. He does not. There is so much detail. Buddy, how small are your brushes? <laughs> or how big is the canvas? I don't know. I'm going to try to find... He's usually post photos yeah he usually uh, sells uh, original paintings and my understanding is he does like all of his art and paintings because it's like, all traditional yeah it's all traditional um when i said paintings i meant like physical like paintings because uh it turns out if you're a magic artist you get like an okay commission for your art and then you make a lot more money if you sell the painting so ryan knows what's up i don't think he's public uh, posted the size of this one. Well, it's a really, really pretty painting. Um, but Watley gets to meet with uh, her and then also uh, has a little argument about the like role of the Sun Empire's visit here. Uh, and Weta and Quint get to talk to each other with Abuelo and they summon Abuelo's uh, like echo of his wife, Abuela, as would be uh, it happen- It happens later. But I think it does happen later. Yeah, they they talk about summoning her in this chapter in this part. Yeah, yeah. it's it's because um, it's the Kipu, right? Yeah. Yes. Because um, the Kipu was the key to open the door because um, Abuelo and Abuela were apparently like the keepers of the door. Like their job was to make sure the door stays locked and to open it only when it was safe. Um, so they foreshadow that. Yeah. Uh, but they have this wonderful conversation and Weta, uh, shares a poem that she wrote. Cause at one point she was going to be a warrior poet, um, before everything went South or slash Phyrexianized. Um, and it's very nice, but Weta has this whole like concept of like, what is the, the future going to be? Is it going to be peace or is it going to be war and trying to understand like how, that choice affects the common people. Um, and it's, it's like Weta has a really good through line in these episodes and we'll talk about it more later, but I really like the way that her character is developed. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, back to downtown with Malcolm. Yeah. Th- <laughs> thankfully everything is going really well for Malcolm and breaches. They're talking to the Myco tyrant. Who's just like, Hey, uh, you should like, maybe join us and like be mushroom people and Malcolm's like okay but you killed all these people and the Micah Tyrant's like well we don't really see it that way Uh, and so he's like well what do you want and Micah Tyrant's like well I've been denied the light of Jamil because the core's been locked away and he's like but I heard you had another son up there I would like it so I've assimilated all the knowledge from all the people in your little pirate town, and I want to go to the surface and, uh, you know, just bask in the sun a little bit and, you know, make everything me. And it's not great. 
it's not ideal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's um there's a pretty good like discussion here about whether or not if someone becomes infected with all the spores of the micro tyrant and they join the hive mind if they are uh dead or not. And my vote is yes. I think they are. Um mm-hmm. but uh you know from the micro tyrant's point of view I don't think that's true. And so it's interesting to see that from the micro tyrant's point of view who is evil. Um not a good person. Well, not a person or many persons. I don't want to dwell on this too long. Uh, yeah, yeah. Instead, let's talk about how the Ultec are a non-carceral state. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wrote in my notes uh, that the Ultec are prison abolitionists. So love that. Well, for them. No, no, they, they are explicitly not prison abolitionists because they never had prisons. You can't abolish what doesn't exist or wasn't conceptualized in your culture. Uh, because we come back to Amalia and the vampire uh, POV, and she's like, damn, we're basically just in a waiting room with our weapons taken away until they figure out what to do with us. And instead of being like locked away in chains and darkness in a musty old prison in Torazon, um, and they learn that like people aren't jailed as punishment here. Um, that there's like a whole separate justice system that doesn't work like that. Uh, and so uh, this is when Kellen is like, hey, wait a sec, you're all vampires. I don't know where Kellen learned about vampires. Yeah, I had that same question. He just is like, ah, oh, vampires, yeah. They're uh, evil. Assumedly, he, like, either visited somewhere else between Eldraine and here, or um, I think it's possible that he learned about vampires talking to uh, Troyan, who would probably have nothing nice to say about vampires, because the vampires of Ravnica are either (laughs) the Demir (laughs) or the um, uh, Orshav. So, uh... I have I have a third thought, a way yeah. that I thought was possible that I think would be an interesting take on it. Yeah. Is that there are stories of vampires on Eldraine, but they don't exist there. They're just fictional. They're like <laughs> one thing in Eldraine where people tell the story and it's not true. Yeah, in a world where, where fairy tale is reality, uh vampires are the only fictional thing. That's silly. Uh I just, I think that's like a funny explanation. Um, Anyways, vampires suck. There is like, there are two, quote, good vampires in this whole story, and one of them gets got. Uh, So I am on the side of hating vampires uh, with Kellen. Uh, Because, yeah, they're trapped in this like waiting room. uh, And then Vito is like, hmm, I'm eavesdropping on your conversation um, between uh, Kellen and Amalia and Bartolome, and it's very funny that he's just like growling at them at one point in the middle of their their talk. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, he's just like, "We're gonna wait here for a minute," and then some fog, some like creepy fog comes in, and then Vito's like, "Aha, the power of Aklazots. Uh And then he uh, like starts murdering all the guards um, as the fog starts filling up the place, and it gets very, very creepy and scary. And then Vito is like. Aha, I have come into this room because we are going to bring a sacrifice to Aklazots. And 
everyone's like, who's going to be the sacrifice? All the vampires look at each other and then slowly turn to face Kellen, the only non-vampire in the room. Uh Uh-huh. And Bartolome is not down with this idea. Uh, He says that Alcazatz has had enough sacrifices and he uh, stops Vito long enough for uh, Amalia to use her map magic to get them out. Uh, not long enough to stay alive, though, because Bartolome gets his neck snapped by Vito uh, because Vito is evil. And also there's like a lot of like internal strife amongst the vampires. And uh, there's a lot happening in this little moment with uh, sort of like Amalia being having to consider if it's so good to feed on criminals. And Kellen makes like uh-huh. a statement about like who decides who's a criminal, which is uh, a really important thing to remember when considering, you know, like human rights and treatment of people in prison abolition. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, uh, also in this, this section of the story, something really important happens. Yeah. Um, Kellen gets referred to as Kel. Yeah. Is, is he ever given a like nickname, a shortened version of his name in Eldraine? Did I miss that? Or is I don't this know. A new he thing? likes orange soda, though. <laughs> My God. Uh, but yeah, the, this story ends off with... Uh, Vito snapping the neck of Bartolome and uh, Amalia, who is just heartbroken because Bartolome was like the only person who was ever good uh, running away with Kellen. Yeah, um, she's starting to figure out that they are the baddies. Yeah, they're the baddies. All right. Uh, we need to pick up the pace a little bit. Yeah. We're uh, episode five. Five. Episode five. Uh, this is a lot of like very bad things happening in succession leading into episode six. So like first bad thing that happens is, uh, turns out, turns out, uh, there's like this really interesting discussion, uh, between, uh, a call and Quint and all that stuff. And like some more world building and some like discussions about what's going on on the surface and stuff like that. And like, who's right. Is it to tell a story, uh, or decide which is going to be preserved. Yeah. Blah, 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 so, blah. like, yeah. W- one of the things I really liked is um, a call just being like recognizing that like Quint is in education and seems genuine, uh, and is just like, hey, you are a lot like our story keepers, um, and and recognizes uh, his positive functions. Uh, while also being like very clear about, uh, you know, our stories aren't secrets, but we should be the ones who tell them. Um, and also being like, but also we'll share them with you and you can share stories with us and being like really accepting of that cultural exchange. And it's just a really excellent moment of like mutual respect and understanding. Yeah, I was trying to like speed past this, but it is important also to mention yeah. that Hotley and Way to get to ride bats. Yeah, uh, and some of the other Sun Empire this. people mm-hmm. in T and, and uh, uh, Kaporokti also get to ride bats and they like do this rite of passage that the uh, old tech have where they like fly up to the trail of, uh, of Chimli and they um, like grab a little piece of Cosmium to make something with, um, which is really sweet that like the old techs are like, hey, you can join in in our little uh like cultural events that we have, but also like not the vampires. They're not allowed. So, uh, but you are, you seem nice. And meanwhile, the river heralds have just disappeared from the narrative. Um, 
Well, yeah, it's okay. They're about to be brought back in because we cut back to Malcolm uh, and Breaches. And and Malcolm uh, Breaches is once again like, big boom, pleading face emoji. Um, And Malcolm is like, wait a sec. Uh, And does his enthralling and trancing song on the micro tyrant because, haha, if they're like a a linked hive mind, then enthralling the micro tyrant should take all of them out. Uh, And so they sneak out through this back passageway. Um, where they, like, senses an, an ocean or an underground sea uh, and then uh, goes through a tunnel, finds it, and winds up at the underground Merfolk City that we were just at last chapter. Uh, except he has to drop his song because, you know, his voice can only last so long. Uh, and as soon the moment it ends, all of a sudden, Micro Tyrant has turned uh, its forces on uh, Malcolm and Breaches following through the tunnel. And then, like, a bunch of mushroom encrusted dinosaur flying dinosaurs and bats descend from the ceiling. Uh, and all the merfolk pull out their weapons. And uh, Malcolm and Breaches start going to towards the core to warn them um, of. Uh, uh, Micah Tyrant's incursion. Well, it's too late to stop it now, but we can at least warn everybody else. Yeah, things things are not going well for them, and also like seems kind of terrifying because they uh they know that there's a door to go through, and Malcolm's like, I'm gonna go through this door and tell everyone. Uh, also, like the whole point of the door was to keep specifically the Micah Tyrant out. So like, oops. Um. <laughs> Guess this this door was useful for hundreds of years and is now just being completely made useless immediately. Uh, but we do hop back over to Vito, who um, I gotta say the author has done such a good job of making me like detest Vito that when I saw this was a Vito point of view section, I literally groaned out loud. Not because the writing is bad, but I was just like, God, I can't stand this guy. Um, he escapes from the not prison prison. And runs off into the swamps, uh, being led there by some uh, people who are called Cosmium Eaters. Um, not a lot really given to us about why they're called that. They're actually just kind of called that uh, randomly in a passage, and there's no like introduction. Um, but that's a different conversation. And they are like, hey, we are going to take you to Aquazots because we know where he is. Uh, you just have to come down into this like swamp and through this tunnel and then put your hand in this box and uh, don't show any fear and don't pull it out or else the Jam Gabar. I mean, um, his hand is like stabbed and his blood goes into uh, the door and opens it. And mm-hmm. there he finds Aklazots. Yeah, it, it turns out, by the way, that there's this whole faction uh, of the old tech who are Aklazots worshippers. Because, hey, remember the thing I said about the cultures are a monolith? There's a bunch of uh, internal struggles and the politics of all the world building is is really neat and complex. Yeah. Anyway, I wonder how the people in the core know about vampires. Side eyes the Cosmium eaters who worship Aklazots and access his secret temple. Yeah. Uh, Aklazots not a good guy. Demands a lot of sacrifices because uh, he has been chained down here, uh, probably for good reason. You know, we don't get a lot of details in the stories about why, but 
If there's a giant bat god demanding human sacrifices, I think it makes sense to chain it up. You know, it just seems like the right thing to do. Uh, and Vito and the Cosmometers bring enough sacrifices for this bat god to drain all of them of their blood one by one, slowly becoming more and more powerful. Uh, he ordains Vito as well to be a fellow vampire demon. Uh, as all of them, all of these like vampires uh, and some Cosmometers uh, are turned into big vampire bat monsters um yeah and uh it's uh it's pretty terrifying and gross uh because all these people are sacrificed the vampires go through a little bit of body horror as they're transformed into these things uh and then aklazots is like now we shall go uh i need more sacrifices but i am going to fly out to chimli and close Chimil. the prison chimil excuse me uh Chimli just does not how that's spelt at all. Um, Chimil is uh, I'm going to trap this prison around it uh, and uh, put everything in darkness again on the plane or excuse me, in the core. Uh, so, yeah, that big sun that's shining 24 seven all the time uh, is going to go out for a little while as these vampires and aquazots uh, sort of start seizing control of the core. And then they do that. It's not great. It's not great. Um, luckily, Weta saw the uh, prison escape happening, and so the Bat Riders are are hot on their tail, but not fast enough to get there before uh, all of these Bat Demon Vampire things emerge from this uh, underground temple uh, and start flying to the core to Chimil. And uh, there's like a really weird moment where like Kaparakti and Hotly have like a discussion, a little shouting match about Torazan for some reason, even though it's just not really related to the current situation. Um, like there's, there's like a bat God thing going on right here. Who so, is related to Torazan, but like, yeah, well, yeah. Kaparakti is, is like, well, if Aklazats and these vampires rise to power, it'll, you know, create a further schism in the church and if they go back to Torazan, they'll start killing each other which means they will be easier to conquer because of their internal strife so this is maybe not the worst thing uh and wally is like are you hella insane we're not we should not invade Torazan. we should be striving for peace in our world and this asshole's here killing a son and murdering people, and we should maybe deal with that, actually. And then she says a poem. Because <laughs> that's what Watley does. Um, yeah, she great. recites a poem. She's great. Uh, and we get in, like, a little bit of a fight scene between Watley and the vampire demons and the Thousand Moons, which are, the like I mentioned, the bat-riding, like, air force of the core. Yeah, they're, like, the, the elite Oltex. warriors yeah. of the Oltex. Yeah, and then it's and then it's fine because uh, they notice that all these fungus monsters are pouring into the core. And, yeah, you know, Weta looks over and is like, "Oh, I see a little spot flying through the air. That looks like a familiar little spot. Why do I know this spot from somewhere? Oh, that is uh, a siren. That is Malcolm Lee, and he's leading an army of fungus monsters. <laughs> kind of, they're following him." So then uh, Malcolm has flown into the core and is looking around and realizing that there's this entire 
wild civilization down here, uh, but doesn't have time to like appreciate it because he's being chased by like the the fungus, like flying things, dinosaurs yeah. and stuff, and bats. Um, and Malcolm flies over to Weta and is like, "Oh hey, fancy meeting you here." Um, this is a weird time to be reacquainted. And it has this really funny moment where Weta or Malcolm says, Weta, what is going on here? And Weta says, let me explain. No, there's too much. Let me sum up. Uh, uh, I appreciate it so much because it's like, uh, they don't have time to tell the whole story. But um, she says the vampires had transformed into bat monsters and their God imprisoned the sun. And then Malcolm says a giant mushroom is infecting people and turning them into its puppets so it can take over the plane. And that is the full summary of these stories so far. We could have just read those and moved on. You know, that's fair. Um, but Malcolm joins up and uh, Weta goes and picks up breaches and they're all good. Uh, Vito, meanwhile, is fighting in the air with all of these uh, flying Sun Empire folks and the uh, Thousand Moons. And then he's like, hey, I see one of them who looks familiar. Inti, Seneschal of the Sun the like cousin to Watley and like one of the big people in this group. Uh, and he and Inti have like a little bit of a fight and like Inti is like, ah, I'm, you can't get me. Um, and then Vito says, my God granted me something greater than yours weakling. And Inti says, what is that? And then Vito says the power of flight and then kills Inti's bat causing Inti to start tumbling towards the ground, but it's fine. He doesn't fall to the ground. Uh, not before, uh, Clavelino, one of the other vampires who got turned into a demon, uh, grabs his neck and snaps it in the air, uh, making sure he's dead. So, glory to Aklazots, I guess. NT is killed and Watley watches him die. And that's the end of the chapter. Things are going so great for everyone. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to figure out how this is all resolved because episode six is the finale. Yeah. Uh, and it starts off with. Watley's point of view. We get a Watley point of view again. It's been like I think since the first episode. This is so good. So they, Vito doesn't shut the fuck up, and uh, it's so funny. While Watley's aware of this and like keeps him talking, while she starts summoning a whole bunch of magic. Um, you know, we get a good description of her tapping into the land, um, searching, calling, hearing her call answered. Um, and so while Vito is uh, evil villain monologuing, uh, it turns out Wally is uh, summoning dinosaurs. And all of a sudden, a whole bunch of dinosaurs show up and start attacking Vito, who's doing his best to fend them off. Um, but um, his spear gets torn out of his hands, uh, and Wally picks it up. And uh, while Vito is, um, while Vito is like trying to fight off these dinosaurs, he's like, Aklazots is risen, and his internal reign is inevitable. Um, and uh, she uh, catches the. This is when she catches the spear in her shield and twists it out of his hands. She's like, only death is inevitable, even for you. Uh, and then she picks up his spear and uh, jams it straight through his plate armor into his heart, uh, and he and kills him. He is he is quite literally hoisted by his own petard. 
Well, no, not. He's figuratively hoisted by his own petard. Yeah, I guess there's no hoisting, but he's, yeah, he's stabbed with his own spear. And he has a point. fascinating, his last line is fascinating to me, because he says, Aklazots, he whispered, why have you forsaken me? Which is what Jesus says when he gets crucified, except he doesn't say Aklazots, he says, father. <laughs> that would have been really weird if he'd said Aklazots. It'd be That's really of- <laughs> weird if Aklazots was in the Bible. Uh, but it's like, I'm sitting like I need to ask why this line specifically exists. I need to know. That's like so specific. Maybe if we're lucky, we'll get to ask uh, the author sometime within the next few weeks. That would be really cool. Wouldn't it? Um, Anyways. (laughs) Yeah, it's a really cool moment and I'm happy for Hotley. It is kind of like... I guess we can discuss this at the end end, but I just do want to say like at the very first time we talked about these stories in episode one, I was like, I really like Waita. I like this character a lot. And I'm glad that we have Waita. And uh, you were on the side of like, but this takes away from Watley. And I was like, as long as we get more Watley later in the story, I'll be happy. Um, that didn't happen. That was as much Watley as we got, really. Yeah. Um, she's like present in the story, but we we just get like her POV like twice. Yeah. Or something like once in the first episode and then once in the last episode. Um, so, yeah, I'm my one comment is we did kind of miss out on on Wally in these stories. Uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, Vito is dead and this is causing, I'm sure, a problem amongst all of the vampire demons. Um, Alcazot's kind of went away at one point and was like, bring me sacrifices. Uh, so he's not part of this fight anymore and is not on the battlefield, uh, which is relevant for later because now we go back to Malcolm and Malcolm's like, Hey, uh, all these funguses are pretty bad. And he goes and runs into Quint and also Amalia and Kellen are there. It's like the little team up of, uh, fun characters. Um, (laughs) and, uh, this is when Quint summons Abuela, uh, because like, Hey, we need to know what's going on. Um, and Abuela can help us. And Abuela and Abuelo have a little moment together where she says, there you are. I thought that Titan got you. And Abuelo says, it did. <laughs> and she looks around and goes, oh, I suppose it did. Uh, which is just funny ghost humor. Anyways, um, they all have a conversation about what they're going to do about all of these funguses. Uh, at this point, uh, the steward of call has summoned the gardeners and you think, like, what are gardeners going to have to do with this? Why are they here? How are a bunch of gardeners going to help? But they are fighting a fungus. And if there's anyone more qualified to kill a fungus, it's gardeners. Um, That's true. Yeah, right? Like, it makes sense. It's a very fun little, uh, like, thought process of, like, who can kill a fungus? Gardeners can. Uh, Amalia starts helping with her map magic and just, you know cleaves of like ravine deep into uh-huh. the ground she, she um, surrounds the entire fungus army with a massive uh chasm with like sheer faced cliffs that is too deep for them to like fill up with bodies yeah and at this time also uh the gardeners they carried with them uh some some ways to help as well, including a bunch of different like cosmium adorned pieces of like necklaces and masks and like swords and like headdresses and things. And it turns out they're all full of these little ghost echoes. 
And so they summon an army of echoes to help fight the funguses. Uh, so Amalia throws down a little cavern to, or not a cavern, what do you call it? Crevasse? Yeah. Anyways, she makes a big hole in the ground and all of the funguses get slowed down long enough for the spirits to show up. And the spirits start like possessing the funguses and causing them to explode. They're mm-hmm. like anti-fungal ghosts, I guess. Yeah. Um, And uh, then the gardeners are like, also, we have a bunch of these pieces of cosmium and they turn them into lasers that burn the funguses and like turn them into ash. Um, And this is working great. But the problem is uh, they're not really going to win this fight if the micro tyrant is still there because the micro tyrant is sort of the the hive mind like central point. So Malcolm gets the just the great idea of picking up breaches and flying at the micro tyrant. Because Breaches has been asking for a big boom this entire story, and it's time for it to happen. So so the big boom line has been repeated, I think, since the first story. Uh, And as soon as I saw it the second time, I was like, oh, we're doing a Chekhov's gun thing, literally. Uh, And I was so happy to be correct. Yeah, except the gun is like a weird, elaborate, vine-patterned like length of metal tube uh, with a leaf for a trigger and flower petals for the like barrel end. Um, I have thoughts on this. I, I don't really have time to get into them in this episode, but I am curious if this was intended to be something from another plane. Cause there's nothing on Ixalan that really fits what this is. Um, like we haven't seen anything that looks similar to this. So my thought is like, mm-hmm. maybe this got pulled through an omen path at some point, And it's like a mm-hmm. weird explosive device from like elves somewhere. Um, anyways, uh, Malcolm and breaches fly to the micro tyrant with a bunch of like fun, physical comedy happening on the way. Um, just read it. <laughs> it doesn't do me well just to tell you everything, but uh, breaches fires this giant, cannon at the micro tyrant and takes it out uh kills it destroys a bunch of the giant uh like megafauna mushrooms that are there uh turns the power against the funguses essentially as like you know just turns them all against the fungus the funguses are losing uh at the meantime uh meanwhile at that same time uh that underground temple to aquazots comes up uh, from the ground and is now visible on the surface of the inner core. Uh, there's a lot of like weird geography things happening here for me in my mind right now, because like, it's like on the other side of all of this is the surface. And so like, technically the temple is ascending if you're looking from the core, but descending if you're on the surface anyways, uh, it comes up and they're all like, Waita is like, I have to go to this temple and we have to all go and figure out how we're going to stop Aquazots. And uh, Kellen and Quint and all of them join up with Amalia and they're like, we're going to go to the temple and stop Aquazots together. Um, turns out, though, Amalia gets there and is like overwhelmed with disgust about her religion. Uh, this is like some real difficult moments for her um, as we now get it from her point of view as they fight their way through vampires and cosmometers into the temple and find that Aquazots is gone. Uh, and so are any of the cosmometers who were left in there and the Dusk Legion that survived the battle. Um, they have been fully routed. The vampire demons have left. It is uh, 
They've handled all of the problems at this point in the story between Vito and the Myco Tyrant. Um, I personally feel that we kind of, the, the Alklazots portion of this kind of got shortened a little bit. Like it just feels mm-hmm. like something's missing. Um, we're just kind of told that, hey, it's over. Uh, anyways, Amalia is not very happy with all of this. They captured one of the Dusk Legion soldiers uh, who, or is it a Cosmic? It's a Cosmic Meter. Uh, they capture a Cosmic Meter who's like, Amalia, you're a traitor. You turned against us. Um, we saw you ran, you run when you were called, which is confusing because she was in the prison when she ran. Um, but I guess they saw her on the way out. Anyways, uh, Amalia is like having these all thoughts about like, how do I handle the fact that our God that we've been worshiping is not the God that we thought it was. Um, it's a lot of religious trauma coming to point here, but her and Kellen are like, Kellen's like, Hey, I'm your buddy. I'm your friend. I'm going to cheer you up. Um, what if we just go get you a different God? We'll just find you another one. It'll be fine. We can uh, we can go to that school and maybe we can look in a book and find a different God for you because Kellen doesn't have gods on Eldraine. So he doesn't really understand them, which is very fun and cute. Yeah, I guess he doesn't. Yeah, they don't have gods there. Uh, Kellen makes a point where he's like, yeah, we don't have those where I'm from. Um, So he doesn't really understand the concept of how like a god works. Um, Meanwhile, uh, Waita and the second Sun Empire delegation or and the Sun Empire people, uh, we sort of jump forward in time as the second Sun Empire delegation reads, uh, reaches uh, Oteklan, which is the name of the Oltec city. Um, it's a week later. They're having a big feast and dinner. Chimil uh, uh, has been restored to her previous glory. Um, the River Heralds are back in the ocean. They were here at some point. They've gone back. Um, the... Uh, everyone has left. It's just the Sun Empire people in the old techs. They're having a big dinner. Um, some heated conversations are happening, but Waita can't hear them. And then uh, Quintorius is like, well, I can help you. Um, I can help you listen in. Uh, and he casts what he calls a uh, specifically, he calls it an eavesdropping spell, which is cute. Mm-hmm. Very much a thing you would find in Strixhaven. Uh, as they listen into this conversation, which is essentially uh, Kaporokti and uh, Hwatli yelling at each other because, well, not yelling at each other. Hwatli yells at him uh, because he's like, hey, remember how your cousin died? And Hwatli's like, don't you dare talk about him. He was a better man than you in every way. And Kaporokti's like, do you want to go do a war? <laughs> it's just Kaporokti shows exactly what like the downfall of the Sun Empire is as a civilization. And it's that. They're being led by a very, very, like, war-hungry leader right now. And, like, this is not the time to be discussing going to war when you've just discovered your ancestors were locked in the core of your planet for hundreds of years. Um, And his first thought is, we should go invade Torazon. Yeah. Uh, So, anyways, um, Stuart Akal does not seem to be all up for this idea. Um, And she's like... We will we will coordinate an appropriate response, and that is not what Kaparakti wants to hear. Um, anyways, all that's happening. Uh, eventually, Hwatli walks over to Waita and gives her Inti's sword, uh, which has a piece of Cosmium in it. And this piece of Cosmium apparently has Inti's echo in it. Um, so I guess like his ghost lives in the sword. 
that's a setup for maybe a future thing that happens in the story. Uh, cut back to Malcolm, who's on his way to Sunray Bay. Uh, I guess a week later, he's crawled out of the caverns. Downtown is gone. He gets to Sunray Bay, and it has also been completely deserted. Um, the Myco Tyrant's handiwork is everywhere. Turns out some of the mushrooms got out and got their way to Sunray Bay. Uh, they did have a body there that they had found from downtown, so probably how it got there in the first place. Uh, and Malcolm and Breaches are going to go find, uh, head their way to High and Dry, hopefully, uh, to warn the pirates there that there's a, you know, giant fungus monster trying to kill them all. And then uh, also a week later, Amalia and Kellen are out on a little boat and they find themselves a beach. And Kellen's like, it's probably right this way. It's okay. Uh, and then they find an omen path. <gasps> and... Yeah, an omen path, and it's Amalia and Kellen, and we know Kellen has to leave on an omen path. Well, guess what? Amalia goes with him. She, I guess, has taken up the idea of we're going to go find ourselves a new god, um, but in a lot of ways, she's just trying to leave because she needs to explore and learn more about herself and who she is separate from this uh, religion that she had been tied to for so long. Um, there's also these jokes about a giant goose uh, that run throughout the stories with Kellen and Amalia. It's very funny. Uh, and then Quint goes to do the big reveal of the story uh, as he climbs into this ruin place called Colony's End, which is a giant metallic structure that's just in the core. Mm-hmm. Very normal. Turns out, very normal. Um, the Didacts called these people colonizers, uh, giants whose great dark vessels appeared in the sky, blotting out the line of Chimil uh, and caging her within a metal prison. So... Apparently, these people were the ones who built the prison for Chimil, um, and they all are gone now, and Quint is in their ruins to try and learn more about them, uh, and discovers that they are the coin empire that he had been looking for. Mm-hmm. Also, they were giants, and he uh-huh. finds a big old vat, uh, and he looks into the vat. Uh, there's like a bunch of them that are broken, but this one is still intact, and inside of it is a giant. With gray-skinned legs and hands that ended in claws. And he is, like, looking at it, being like, ooh, how am I going to transport this back? And then it starts moving. And uh, Quint thinks, perhaps I should go. Now. Right now. I'm sure it's fine. Um, So, yeah, he unearths the big reveal, which is that the Coin Empire is an interplanar uh, organization that we already knew. But uh, apparently we're also the ones who tried to cage Gmail. Um, We know from Flavor Tax that these are the Fomori Sure are. It's not mentioned in the story directly, but the flavor text tells us it is the Fomori, who we know nothing about. Like, very, very little. I think there's like two plane chase cards. Uh, There are two creature cards and one plane chase card. Yeah, we'll we'll talk more about them at some point in the near future, I'm sure. Um, But that's the big reveal. Interplanar giants called the Fomori. Uh, and then we get kind of like his little stinger as well. So like if that was like the mid credit scene, the like end credit scene, we get uh, a view of the Myco Tyrant as a pirate on a ship heading towards uh, high and dry. So uh, the Myco Tyrant, not done, not done, but it's learned that stealth is useful when force fails. Uh, and then Aklazats, who is also on a ship headed towards Torazon. Uh, it's, uh, that's what you gotta know. He's decided that, uh, 
Vona is going to be his disciple once he gets to to Torzon, and they're uh, they're going to take over. And uh, so yeah, the story kind of ends with like a few little like stingers, and I really liked that part about it. Um, I really don't mind that some things felt unfinished, like the entire Aklazots like on his way to Torzon or the Micro Tyrant on its way to High and Dry. I think that's great setting up for future stories. I also thought Quint like finding the Fomori is pretty near like near pretty neat because like that sets us up for a question of who are the Fomori? What have they been up to? Where did they go? What happened? Stuff to be explored in future stories, probably. Where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from? Fomori I Joe. Yes. Uh, my only like complaint about all of these stories, I thought mm-hmm. for the most part, the pacing was really good. I liked the fact mm-hmm. that the first three stories were like a little dungeon delving adventure yeah. into the depths. And the next three stories were like a uh, journey to the center of the world, like encounter with other people. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Um, I thought that it was like a really good buildup of Vito to the point where like yeah. I hated him so much that by the time he died, I was like cheering um, mm-hmm. but also he wasn't like an overbearing villain in the story. I didn't like yeah. that up with him. Um, Akuzats was appropriately terrifying at points. Uh, the writing overall, very good. My only complaint is that the Akuzats fight in the core over Chimiel just kind of felt unresolved. Like suddenly they weren't there anymore. Vito got killed and all of the rest of them just disappeared. And that felt unfinished. <laughs> Like, I was wondering what maybe, like, they just had to cut for time here a little bit because it felt like it didn't really get a resolution. Yeah, I we're kind of running out of time here, so I don't want to, like, tack on too many thoughts because um, I, I think we're going to save our, our big overall thoughts for next week when we talk about the side story and just kind of cover everything um, in a final hey, here's all our big thoughts about the story type things. Uh, I liked it. I loved a lot of the characterization. Um, I thought there wasn't a whole lot of Malcolm characterization early on, but I think we had some really good moments when he talks about, um, you know, he reminisces a bit about his time with Jason Braska uh, and uh, has has some good concepts of... Um, where's the sentence going? Just, just has some, like, good character moments of of understanding of him as a survivor and a pirate and a person um i would have liked a little bit more of that earlier you know i've i've said my stuff about i really really wanted to see more wally in here this is her world she's desparked you know she's desparked because she never leaves the plane but then we're here and she's barely in the story and my man um, I, it's not, and it's not that I don't like Waita. I think Waita's great. I think she's a great, complicated character. I think her POV is interesting. I just, she's not the person I want to see here. Um, Quint was fantastic. Vito was great. Everything you said about Vito is spot on. Agree. Um, Amalia is adorable. I wanted a little more Kellen too, I think, but, uh, that's because I really like that boy. <laughs> and yeah, we have, uh, we have some problems for the next time we visit <laughs> Ixalan. I do 
I do kind of like that the story does maintain the like ending of the Ixalan story, Rivals of Ixalan story, where it's like, ah, and the next time you come here, you'll see the invasion of Torazan and all these other things that we're building up towards. Um, and then we didn't get those because of the Phyrexian invasion. And now it's like, ah, but next time you come here, you'll get the Mycotyrant and Aklazots. And it's like, yeah, set us up for that return. Let's do it. Um, yeah, and also shout out to uh, the fact that the Phyrexian invasion is referenced several times for both character building purposes and also like world building. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aklazots mentions that he was awoken by the invaders on the surface, which I'm pretty sure means the Phyrexian invasion, which would explain why suddenly Aklazots, after hundreds of years of being chained up, presumably, uh, is just now escaping. Uh-huh. Um, and it's not just because they opened the door into the core, but it sounds like the presence of the Phyrexians somehow caught his attention. Oh, I thought that was referring to the vampires, but I don't know. Either yeah, or. I, I understood it as being like, oh, I am suddenly brought to wakingness by this disturbance on the surface. Which, also the fact that, like, no Phyrexian portals opened in the core. Like, we saw Phyrexian portals open in the ground on various planes. Like, yeah. Anyways, those are my, like, only... There's, like, a few complaints. We'll talk about it next week. I've got a few complaints or some, like, questions for, like, choices of editing, I think, for the story. Mm-hmm. Like, in terms of, like, why are they just called Cosmia Meters without being introduced? Probably in the World Guide. Yeah, it's probably it's in the world guide. And like there's a few moments like that where I've just been like the echoes, the very concept of the echoes when like Quintorius raises the spirit of Abuelo and then suddenly echoes are like a common thing. We'll talk about it. It's all world guide stuff, I'm sure. Yeah. Um and it, uh so I think that's where we're gonna end this. Uh final thoughts. I don't know that I have a final thought this week. Destiny 2 is good, except Bungie is bad. That's a good final thought. Yeah, I mean, the same thing as always. Game corporation upper management is bad. Game is good. Yeah. Uh, I read a bunch of books, uh, including Wolf and White Van by John Darniel. Uh, I I really want to get John Darniel on the podcast somehow, just so I, I don't, can say hey. <laughs> I, look. I don't think that's possible. I don't, really I don't cool. know what reason we would have to get John Darnielle on the podcast. But I would also love to have him on the podcast. Uh, he is a very entertaining person. And quite a talented musician. And writer. His books are incredible. Well, he also writes songs. You write for music yeah. also, by the way. Yeah. Sign up for our Patreon and you can listen to us record episodes at 7pm on Thursdays unless it's at 8.30pm on a Thursday. <laughs> Uh huh. Yeah, we have uh two two pledge tiers uh, on uh, on our uh, Patreon. It's uh, patreon.com slash the Vorthos cast. The uh, we have a three dollar tier that lets you be a live listener, and like I said, almost always uh, seven p.m. Eastern time on Thursdays is when we record. Uh, you get to uh, you know sit and chat with us before the show, after the show, during the show. Uh, it's a good time. Uh, we also have a one dollar tier, just as the basic subscription. But uh, everyone who um, is part of our uh, Patreon, regardless of uh, donation amount, gets access to our Discord community, uh, where wonderful Vorthoses from around the world are 
what are we what are we doing what's the thing we're looking forward to usually this is where i pitch a thing we're coming out of it because i guess the cards are out so people are talking about the card set itself um but uh we oh i uh first look for murders at markov manor is december 5th i think it's i think it's the first week of december i think uh that's uh, like three weeks away um so we're gonna have a lot to talk about about the next set um soon so if that is a thing you are interested in uh talking about get in the discord server um it's a cool place with cool people and uh frankly i think the coolest admins of any discord server in the whole world i mean most of them are okay thank you all for listening (laughs) this has been the vorthos cast